Welcome to the HR Chat Podcast, bringing the best of the HR and talent communities to you. It's been a heck of a year for everyone. Soon, however, organizations will begin their rise out of the challenging and often contentious times that we face today. My guest this time is Mark S. Babbitt, culture architect, career coach, blogger, speaker, and author. Mark is also president at Work IQ and CEO at U-Turn. There's a revolution happening, says Mark. Business today doesn't function like it did just a few short years ago. As leaders, our customers and our employees now expect more from us. My job, he adds, is to help organizations, leaders and employees see the tsunami of change for what it is, an opportunity to lead, work, think and compete differently. Mark has been included in Inc. Magazine's list of top 100 leadership speakers and was mentioned among the top 50 leadership innovators. His work is often featured in Entrepreneur, Forbes, Inc. and HBR. In addition, Mark has spoken at major events, conferences and corporate leadership forums all around the globe, including Ignite, IBM Insight, the Digital Citizenship Institute, and the Tiger Woods Foundation. Mark, you are a superstar in this space, and it's my pleasure to welcome you to the show today. Well, thank you, Bill. I hope I can live up to that introduction in the next 23 minutes. <laughs> but beyond my reintroduction there, Mark, why don't you just start by, for those people who perhaps haven't heard of you, if there are any, uh, why don't you start just by telling them a little bit about yourself and what you get up to? Well, so I am a startup guy by by trade, Bill, and uh, and I was fortunate enough to uh, to enter the startup world right when online advertising, online job boards entered the market and disrupted that segment of our of our hiring process. And and I was absolutely in love with the process until I realized one day that we had taken the human right out of human resources. That all anybody had to do was click that apply now button 200 times and something good would happen. We stopped building relationships. We stopped counting on mentorships. Internships and apprenticeships were no longer uh, necessary. Just click the apply now button. And, and since I've been at set out, I've set out to change that. I launched U-Turn, which helps young, uh, young professionals, college students, recent graduates, ascend into the workforce and and as a result of that realize that unfortunately most of our workforces they kind of suck and and frankly the leadership running those workforces sucks and and so i sent, uh, set on a parallel track to try and fix that from the top down this podcast episode is sponsored by virgin pulse the number one global employee well-being solution provider, supporting 7.5 million members in 20 languages across 190 countries. Virgin Pulse offers solutions that deliver on their home base for health vision of simplifying and unifying other point products into a better together ecosystem and transform the mental, physical, financial, social, community, and emotional health of organizations and their people. You can learn more at virginpulse.com. Okay, so so let's get into it then. Let, let's talk about creating an exceptional experience of work. How, how do you enable leaders and organizations to understand and improve their current level of, I think maybe you've coined this term, I'm not quite sure, workplace intelligence or WQ? Perhaps you can start by defining the concept of workplace intelligence and, and how that differs, for example, from employing EQ in the workplace. I'm happy to, Bill. So EQ is our ability to empathize, to see any confrontations, to see the any, any chance of collaboration from another person's perspective. And so 
EQ, and by the way, it's also used extensively, as you know, in, in the hiring process. We we don't just hire for technical skills anymore. We, we also hire for EQ, emotional intelligence, or at least try to. And it wasn't enough. It, that, that wasn't cutting it. 50% of our, uh, of our hiring processes turned out to be mistakes. So we did develop the, the, the term workplace intelligence. And workplace intelligence is for the team what EQ is for the individual. So if, a, if an individual is, is emotionally intelligent enough to have a tough conversation, to, to put, the, put yourself in that person's shoes um, before responding to, to actually uh, extend the conversation rather than extend the confrontation, all of that applies to an individual uh, as far as EQ goes. Well, well, WQ, workplace intelligence, is all of that for the team. How does the team respond to challenges? How does the team prepare to, to meet its its next set of goals? And and so workplace intelligence is uh, is kind of a fun way for leaders to look at, great, I know we have a bunch of good people, but do we have any good teams? And that, that's what we look at. Okay. Thank you very much. Now then, you help companies to shape work and social environments so that culture change and transformational leadership are, are not only accepted, they are embraced as a competitive advantage. Can you tell me more about this process? Absolutely, and this gets us right back, this puts the human right back into human resources, Bill. We encourage leadership teams and companies to value respect as much as they value results. And so we help them define a set of values, respect is almost one of those values, that they will measure, monitor, and coach just as strongly as they monitor performance metrics and results. And if we create a, a respectful place to work, if we create an inspiring place to work, then, then results happen naturally. People feel good about going to work. That, that drudge from the train to the, to the, uh, to the office or, or, or now in today's world from, from the coffee machine to your desk at home, People are people are more excited when they're when they're doing work they know really matters and they're respected by not just leaders but peers. So, so that's where we start. As soon as we get companies to focus just as much on values on respect as as we do results, we're 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 heading down the right path. You have um, how do I put this? You have a pretty significant digital footprint, Mark. Uh, work IQ, for example, is one of the most socially shared workplace and leadership sites on the World Wide Web. Um, how can the HR department empower employees and, and leaders to to present and project in ways that get them noticed and perhaps best represent their employers? Well, uh, what a great question, Bill. So this is a huge part of workplace intelligence. It's this this segment. It's one of five segments in the WQ assessment and and, and matrix, and it's it's all about building a sense of community. When when an organization has built uh, uh, that that presence, if you will. They feel, people feel like they belong. They know it's the right place for them. They 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 go to your blog in 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 some people's case, or or your intranet, or your your website, or your social media um, platforms, and they actually want to be involved in 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 the in the product, the service um, that you're building, and and that that is a especially among our legacy corporations that's that's a, a real issue we we tend to talk at people in our in our online presence we we tend to start a conversation but not finish it and in building that sense of uh, community around 
around a servant purpose that people can really get into, that's that's the real key for for employers uh, employer branding. But it's also it's also a key to build to build loyalty and 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 frankly resilience when things aren't going so well. Okay, so this is obviously a podcast geared uh, primarily to HR and leaders. Maybe you can share with those HR folk and and, and those leaders the the value of of uh, employees who are willing to be advocates for for their business. So what 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 can that do for their business in terms of projecting the employer brand? In in terms of right now, things are very difficult. Showing people that uh, their company is is a good company to work for with the right values. And of course, you know, leaders are interested in the bottom line. What what, what difference can uh, powerful employee advocacy have on on driving one's bottom line? It's it's funny. People tend to separate the bottom line from employee experience or candidate experience, and that tears us HR people apart. HR people, we know that the better we treat our candidates and our employees, the more those employees are going to go on social media platforms. And on and on rating systems like Glassdoor and Indeed, and praise us as employers. And and for some reason, leaders haven't crossed that bridge with us. They they still think, oh boy, that's an expensive way to hire. Just just use the ATS. Just just let technology spit out the best candidates for us. And HR people know this is a this is at some point hiring becomes a one-on-one relationship, and and people begin to trust us and count on us. And then they start referring their friends. And I don't have to tell anybody on your podcast, Bill, or you, how important it is to get those those coveted employee referrals in. Every employee referral saves us literally tens of thousands of dollars in, in hiring and retention costs. And, and boy, if we treat people well, if, if we enable them be to, be, to become advocates for our company, we're, we're definitely positively impacting the, the bottom line. Okay, so you raise a very good point there, uh, and that, that, that's the cost savings. You know, forget about the extra money that you make, but just the cost savings. Okay, um, do, do you think that employees who who are good advocates who do help to spread the message through LinkedIn or elsewhere? You mentioned Glassdoor. Do, do you think that those those employees should be reimbursed? Do you think that should be part of uh, an HR initiative to to encourage employees to incentivize them to to get the word out there? Or actually, is that a bit disingenuous? You don't want folk to be saying nice things just for just for money. Yeah, I I understand it's a trend now to to uh, provide bonuses for employees to say nice things, and I and I know companies that have that have made a, a decent name for themselves doing that. But here's what happens, Bill, when that when that happens too often, is eventually an employee is going to become uh, we're going to throw them in the disgruntled category, and it's going to come out, and this has already happened several times. Where it's like, yeah, I know what I said before, but I was actually paid two hundred and fifty dollars to do that, and and now we're we're harming our our employer brand in a in a way that it's going to be really hard to bounce back from that. So, with with and, and our clients have actually approached us about that. Well, could could we uh, could we incentivize our employees to engage that way online? And our answer is always, frankly, absolutely not. If we're treating our employees well. History shows, precedent shows that we don't need to pay them to say something nice. You make them feel good about their work, and they're going to say something good about where they work. I agree with you completely. Recognize your employees, incentivize your employees, but not not for the sake of, frankly, tacky marketing exercises. There, there are better ways to do it, right? Well, you use the best word possible. You, you use the word uh, disingenuous, and that's exactly what that is. We, 
We want to incentivize them. We want to enable them. We don't want to bribe them. Now that we're in what chap I was speaking to yesterday, he, he referred to as 2022.0. And this is a term that I, I, I just, I was like, wow, you're right. It is. That's what, that's, that's what it feels like right now. It's a dark, dark winter. Things are really tough. As we continue to work through in, in a remote fashion, for, for some time we don't know when when we would all be able to get back to the office but what, what are some of the challenges that companies are, are facing when trying to manage a, a dispersed workforce on an ongoing basis originally we'd hoped it'd all be over in in six months but now the reality is we're all we're all facing a much longer period how, how can we how can we maintain a focus on company culture mark and ensure that performance and productivity levels don't drop when, when employees are disparate. Here's what we're seeing with contacts and clients all over the globe. We're already seeing in Japan and in Australia, for instance, companies that say, oh, thank goodness, the pandemic is over. It's safe to get back to work. And they look at their employees and they say, you know, all that freedom we gave you to work from home and to take care of your kids and your elderly parents and your fur babies. I know you've enjoyed that freedom, but we're taking all of it back right now. Get back in the off. And that, as you can imagine, is not working well at all. We, we have, it took us a while to get into this point. You said, you said six months, uh, it's, it, it seems like six years at this point, right? We, we went from talking to our, about our, our last normal or, or, or our just normal to the neck, to the next normal, to the now normal. I mean, we don't even know where we are anymore. And, and frankly, Bill, a lot of people put a lot of stock in, well, the calendar is going to turn to 2021 and things are going to get better. And, and it just, it just hasn't. I mean, I, I love the term 2022.0. Um, I've also referred to it as, as, as December 49th, uh, 2020. And, and that's where we are. And, and so we encourage every employer out there. It took us a long time to get where we are to this, to this, let's call it the now normal. Let's, let's think proactively about what our next normal is going to look like. Is the workforce still going to remain dispersed? How can we, how can we extend the part of the remote work area that worked well, autonomy, for instance, productivity without making people feel like, Oh, great. I'm, back on the train, I'm back in the car, I'm back in traffic, I'm stressed out again, I, God, I miss working from home, that's not going to create a great work, work culture moving forward. So we got to take the best of what we've had for the last six, nine months, and we have to incorporate it into whatever the next six to nine months is going to look like, and perhaps the next decade. Oh, man, don't say that. I, I don't think any of us could handle a decade. Oh, boy. Um, but the, the thing is, the thing is, you're, you're right. You know, it's it's a bit like the First World War, isn't it? They they thought the First World War would be over by Christmas, and uh, it, it went on for many many years. Um, but well, that, that, in that, the US, here, <laughs> Bill, we, we were told Easter, uh, April last year, and that hasn't exactly worked out for us. So I I certainly hope it's not a decade, but I do think by the time we get the vaccinations rolled out, by the time the new, I mean, the science shows us the the the, the new variations that are coming out. We could still be dealing with health issues in, in globally for the, the next five, six, maybe 10 years. So let's get ready for that now. Let's look ahead and do the right thing for our employees now. I'd love to hear from you as, as someone who's terribly good at, at uh, projecting their brand and, and working with other brands to, to help them get the message out there. We're, we're currently 
we're currently living through a situation where there's a lot of noise online. Okay. You know, everybody's doing a webinar. I've seen a whole bunch of new podcasts spring up over the last 12 months. What are some effective ways? What are some powerful ways where, where companies can cut through the noise and still project their brand and they're, they're touching people in the right ways? Maybe you're going to tell me that it's all about TikTok now, Mark. I have no idea. I've never been on TikTok, but what, what, are, what, what, are, what are some of those channels where actually, if, if they're not already doing it, they should be exploring in, in order to raise above the crowd? Bill, here's, here's the key. We, and it doesn't matter if it's TikTok, Facebook, uh, 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 Snapchat, it doesn't matter. It's become a pandemic, pandemic in and of itself to self-promote, to, to blatantly throw your personal branding out there. Almost like it was uh, 2010, 2012, when people discovered Twitter and Facebook could be personal branding devices, and everybody labeled themselves a, a, guru, a guru and an expert and a sensei and a podcaster and and uh, you know, guess what? We don't get to call ourselves that. And and the reality is, over the last ten years or so, we've learned, and and it's been accelerated in the pandemic. Uh, as you said, there's new podcasts everywhere. There's new experts everywhere. You have to stop talking about yourself. If you're a brand, you have to stop talking about your brand. You have to do work in such a fashion that people want to talk about you for you. It, what we say about ourselves or about our company, that's marketing, that's, that's branding, that's self-promotion, sometimes blatant self-promotion. What others say us, about us on Indeed, on Glassdoor, on Yelp, on TripAdvisor, what everybody else says about us, that's our real brand. That's what we're really about. And no, not, not everything that's said online is positive. But we can even turn that around. We can take a, a negative review, say on TripAdvisor if we're in the hospitality world or Glassdoor if we're in the HR world, and say, John, I am so sorry to hear that you had a bad experience. We're here to fix this. We're, we're going to make this right. Please email us at blah, blah, blah. And the, yes, the world reads the negative review, but then they see that empathetic, high EQ, high WQ response behind that. And that negative review is completely negated. It, it doesn't exist anymore because people say, well, look, everybody makes mistakes. Everybody has a bad day. Uh, every, everybody makes a bad hire or, or, or treats somebody wrong in, in that moment. But they're clearly ready to fix that. And that's such a, a huge part of, of building a, a, a great digital footprint. Now then, I understand, Mark, that you've got a new book coming out. Uh, I think it's in September of uh, 2022.0. If we, if we continue to use that term, um, it's called good comes first. Can you, can you tell the listeners a bit about that and what are some of the learning outcomes? What, why maybe they should, what, why they should get a copy? Well, thank you for, first of all, for mentioning it. Uh, we're, we're very excited. My, uh, I am uh, thrilled and honored to be writing this book with uh, the amazing uh, Chris Edmonds and Chris has been in the culture world and the leadership world for, for decades. He spent 30 years with the King Blanchard companies um, he's a world-renowned culture architect, and and uh, he and I got together where uh, we, my family and I, moved to Colorado in the U.S. about four years ago, and it turned out uh, Chris is uh, is also from Colorado, and we we just sat down over um, let's just say a coffee one evening, and and said, you know what, we we use some of the same terms. We try to inspire companies uh, to to serve the same mission. Maybe we should maybe we should write a book together and. And that's where good comes first comes from is, is it, it is all about, as we talked about earlier, asking companies to, 
to 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 treat measure model respect and values as much as results and 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 it it's really bill it it's it's a new way and we hope it comes out in time for the for the pandemic to finally be behind us and the and the and the vaccinations to be in everybody's arms people are going to be looking for a way to rebuild their company cultures and they know they can't go back to that last normal that we talked about earlier the next normal has to look much different and and we're hoping that that the book walks leaders through the process of how to rebuild their company culture where they're always putting good first, the good for their employees, good for their customers. Maybe not short-term, maybe not good for the shareholders, which has always been our emphasis, especially in Western culture. It doesn't matter if we treat customers poorly. It doesn't matter if we treat employees badly. Just make the number, right? Uh, uh, impress your shareholders and everything else will be fine. Well, it's not fine. And we learned that during this pandemic. We have to treat people well, and that's what Good Comes First is all about. Do you think there's been a mindset shift, Mark, as a result of what we've all gone through over the last year? Do you, do you think that, A, we do treat each other in a more kind fashion, and B, are you hopeful that that will continue once we are through this? Bill, that's, that's, the, that's my favorite question that you've asked, and, and here's why. I'm fully aware that the world is a divided place right now. I, I know that there's right and there's left, and, and only, one only has to look at what's been happening in the United States lately to see just how far apart we are as a society. And, and yet, that pandemic in many ways has brought us close together. It's offered us a moment to reflect. It's, it's given us a chance to say, you know what? I was that guy. I was, I was the hustle culture guy. I was the, the, the autocratic command and control leader but now that I'm home with my kids or my grandkids and my dogs and, and I get to see the world a little bit differently, I'm, I'm ready to be a different leader, a different person. I'm ready to run a different company. And so, yes, we certainly had our struggles over the last four to five years. But, but the reality is, Bill, to your point, we, we have come closer together in very strange ways sometimes. Maybe we haven't learned how to treat each other better yet but we're willing to try and to me that's the real key just uh an anecdotally I, I was talking to someone earlier and uh and they're, they're going to completely switch their career based on what they've seen over the last 12 months and they they've, they've gone from um quite a traditional sales focused role to to one where now they want to help people now they want to help folks uh uh move into new new roles and and try to develop their careers and uh if there are more people out there like, like the person I was chatting to earlier, who, who, who have that kind of epiphany, if you like, um, as a result of 2020 and 2020 2.0, then not everything that's happened to us in the last 12 months is, is, is terrible. Anyway, before we wrap up for today, Mark, uh, how can our listeners learn more about and, and connect with you? We would love for everybody to go to uh, WorkIQ, that's W-O-R-Q-I-Q.com. And uh, in very soon, uh, six months or so before the book comes out, we'll have goodcomesfirst.com yes, out there for everybody to take a look at and get kind of a sneak peek into the book that's coming out. And I'd, I'd love to have you um, uh, share that with our audience in some capacity. Maybe, maybe we can get you back on or we'll, we'll share an article with you or something on the HR Gazette so that we can give people a bit of a teaser around that but um that just leads me to say for today mark thank you so much for for joining me on this episode of the hr chat show well thank you bill great to talk to you and listeners as always happy working and please do continue to stay safe 
Thank you for listening to the HR Chat Podcast, brought to you by the HR Gazette.